Welcome to Orchini. This is Saratoga Beth. Gutiantes, hey Teves. Hey Teves is called by some the 11th day of Hanukkah, and we're going to see why. Um, and how there's a very deep connection between Hanukkah, Yutex Kislev, and Hey Tavis. Let's just say that they're all dealing with oil. Not just physical oil, but spiritual oil. So let's see how they're all connected. Um, the basic, the basic idea is the following. From the beginning of time, since we received the Tyra, People would learn Tyra, and there is – let's go back one more step. Hashem created the world. He said, let there be light. At some point, I guess the very first day, he took that very light with which he created the world, let there be light, and he concealed it already. I'm sorry, I don't remember if it was the first day or the last day of creation. You know, the first day of the sixth day. If anybody knows, they can un- unmute themselves. But Hashem, within that week of Shesh's first day, first day, thank you. Hashem took that light with which He created the world, and He concealed it. Where did He put it? He put it into Torah, and He put it into the Hanukkah Menorah, and maybe possible a couple of other places. Essentially, Torah, the words of Torah, and the Hanukkah Menorah, the Hanukkah lights. That's one of the reasons why when you <clears throat> look at words of Tyra, you have some kind of a feeling that this isn't just the regular. You can try experiments with people and ask them how what they think about different things in life while they're looking at words of Torah versus looking at just regular things of the world. And you'll see that they seem to feel differently because everyone senses that light in Torah. And everyone senses that light in the Hanukkah light, the the spiritual light. This spiritual light will call is referred to as the oil of Tyra, the essence of Tyra, the essence of Hashem Himself. When we learn Tyra, two things happen: we get a lot of information about what to do, and at the same time, you know what to do. What's the halacha? What's what's the halacha about? how much to drink, what the bracha is, how to do this, how to do that, very detailed. The other thing that happens when we learn Torah is we develop a relationship with Hashem, between Hashem and us. The relationship aspect is more connected to the oil of Torah. We said the other day, the bread and water of Torah, the basics are connect, are, are more like the externals, what you have to do to keep a Jewish life. Called Nigla of Tyra. Pneumis of Tyra is connected to oil. Pneumis of Tyra deals with what the essence of Tyra is. What is this light that's inside of Tyra? So, in a, over the next few minutes, we're going to see how these three holidays all connect. They're all within, I guess, a two week span from Yotes Kislev all the way to Hey Tavis. Maybe it's a two and a half week span. I'm not doing the math, but something like that. Le- less than a good test to slave and Hanukkah begin in the same week, so that's seven days. Add on another eight days, seven, eight is 15. Right, so less than 20 days, less than three weeks. So here in the Sikha of Miket, we're being told the following. 
the 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 miracle of Hanukkah, and remember now we're in Hay Tavis, so we're going to have in mind what it has to do with Hay Tavis. The miracle of of, the, of Hanukkah is about oil, pure oil. We know our enemies went out to defile the pure oil. We went to look for pure oil to light the menorah. Because you have to light the menorah with pure oil if you are the influencer. You know how I make jokes about meeting young people and everybody goes around the room and everybody says what they do with their life. You know, today everybody has to do something fancy. So there will always be a certain number of people who will say, oh, what do I do? I'm a social media influencer. So, right, you're an influencer. So if you're an influencer, you want to make sure that you influence with the strongest, best substance that you have. So we needed pure oil. And this pure oil had to have the seal of the Kain Gadol. We know this. And it was found. It was there. We came to a new little riddle on Shabbos, this Shabbos. Um, it was kind of a, I don't know if you call it a cute riddle. How did you, how would you know, how did they know at that time that when the, when the Jews went into the base of Mavish that had been defiled, how did they know that they were going to have to find oil to use for the manure? By definition, they were going to have to find at least one cruise of oil, one bottle of oil. How did they know that they were going to find the oil? Here's the answer to the riddle. Because Mashiach is anointed with oil. So by definition, at the darkest moment of history, when Mashiach was put on, the red light was put on Mashiach, and I'll say in a moment why, in order for the green light to go back, that Mashiach should come and lead the world eventually, you had to find the oil. Now, I have no idea. Can we say that the oil that they found in the basin, they just that one cruise of pure oil, is on some level spiritually the same oil that will be used to anoint Mashiach? I don't know, but it sounds good. And spiritually, I'm not going to say it's physically the same oil, maybe. I mean, you can see that that oil that was found in the base of Migdash has been used, didn't only last in the Menorah for eight days, It keeps on burning now. It was burning in everybody's menorah this year. And it burns in everybody's souls. And with that, we do Kabbalah HaMalchus of Mashiach himself. And we have a yearning to anoint Mashiach so that he can bring the Geula. So maybe there's room to say that oil is the same oil that will be used to anoint Mashiach himself. Maybe. So... A miracle happened, eight days, it should have lasted for one, it was the oil of one. One relationship, the relationship of one. I, Jew, one with Tyra, one with Hashem, one with Mashiach, one package. What does Mashiach do in the world? He creates that oneness. 
Mashiach takes everything that used to be two and three and five and ten, and he makes it all into one. One big soup, one big challenge. Mashiach makes sure that if a Jew feels disconnected from Hashem, he makes them into one. If a Jew feels disconnected from Tyra, he makes them into one. He works to unify everything. So, and not only that, since the Gezerah, since the um, the decree of the Greeks was, Lashkicham Tarasecha, to make us forget that it's your Tyra, so what were they really sent for? From God's point of view, just to torture us? Oh, to make, now, think of this logically. It's Hashem's Tyra. It's very, very, very precious to him. Do you think that he really wants us to forget that it's his Tyra? Does that make any sense? You know, listen, I created this Tyra. It's my almost, my second most precious thing after you Jewish people. But I really, it doesn't really make any difference to me whether you remember that it's mine or not, as long as you learn it. No. Who would, what kind of a god would send a nation, an enemy, to make us forget that it, that Hashem is the Tyra? The whole point is that the Tyra is nothing other than an expression of Hashem's will and Hashem's wisdom. If you take Hashem out of the Tyra, you know, you can take Tyra out of Hashem, but you can't take, you know, right? Everybody knows that. You can't take Hashem, you cannot take Hashem out of the Tyra. And the Greeks were brought in to try to do it. So what could be Hashem's intent behind, behind, behind the scenes? Just do reverse engineering. To make us remember. Hashem would clearly send us people, a nation, that would make us remember that it's Hashem's Tyra. On the externally, they try to make us forget, which if you go to a Jew and you say blue, he'll say green, and if you say green, he'll say blue. Perfect. You take a nation, they say, you better forget that it's Hashem's Tyra, and they say, oh, thanks for the reminder. Right, we forgot about it. Good thing. Thank you very much. Now we remember that it's Hashem's Tyra. We're not known as the most obedient people, <laughs> right? So they did their job, the Greeks. You can even say, maybe, we can even postulate that there were two ways that we could come to Yemaisa Mashiach. There are many pieces of the puzzle of recognition and understanding of truth that we had to go through on the way to Yemaisa Mashiach. We could do it the straight way, be so on track and so devoted, and so non-distractable that we would just get straight, go straight into Yemaisa Mashiach. Or the second way would be, if we got a little, you know, distracted, Hashem would send us what are called enemies to give us a very difficult time with the ultimate purpose from Hashem of reminding us of getting us back on track. And each of our enemies got us back on track. So the Greeks at the time of Hanukkah were, as we said, probably sent to get us to remember that it's your Tyra, Hashem. Now, the question is, why that period of time? Obviously, from the time that we received the Tyra, 
there, at that point, there was no oral Torah. The or, sorry, there was an oral Torah. It was oral. That means father to son, father to son, father to son, said the Torah, you know, standing up, not even sitting, and transmitting it from one generation to the other, never written down. Permission to write it down is called oral Torah. Permission to write it down wasn't given until sometime after the destruction of the second base of Migdash. So we were able, before the story of Hanukkah, to open up a Chumash, read a Pasuk in Chumash, and be filled with a sense of awe of Hashem being every being within every molecule and fiber of Tyra. We didn't have any doubts, I guess. We didn't need to have these little reminders until we came to a darker point in history in which we disconnected a little bit from we used what we used to know intrinsically. So Again, so externally, what did the Greeks do? They tried to defile the holiness in the Chachma of Tyra. Now remember, Chachma of Tyra, so think about that. Chachma of Tyra is the wisdom of Tyra. Once you're going to the wisdom of Tyra, there's a lot of learning to do. You know, you learn all the halachas about how to do this and how to do that. How do you, you know, somebody's writing tzillin, so... How do they, what do they do with the animal to get the skin? How do they dry the skin? How do they dry the hides? How do they make the ink? How do, all these things. It all has to do with stuff of the world. When you get involved with stuff of the world, because Hashem said mitzvahs have to be done with stuff of the world, it's pretty easy to get lost in the stuff of the world. Right, ink, what coloring, how do you make the ink, more watery, less watery, what kind of pen? What feather, what parchment, how do you do it? You get involved in the stuff of Tyra because you're involved in the Chachma of Tyra. You're involved in, in studying all the derivations of everything, of how you do it. And therefore, you can forget about the Kedusha of Tyra. You get involved in the details and you forget who's inside the details. Pretty easy to do. It's called forgetting Taira Secha, forgetting that it's your Taira Hashem. So, of course, so what happened? The miracle was that we found this cruise of pure oil that the Greeks couldn't find, was completely out of their frequency, completely out of their realm of understanding. And, of course, there was only one, one such, one little drop of such oil, and yes, it had the seal of the Kayanzadol, the highest level of Kedusha that the Greeks could not get to. It's not like the Greeks were in a rush at the end to go and eat their sandwich and, you know, they said, okay, let's go already, and they missed one cruise of oil. They never would have seen it. It was a level of holiness that's so high and so concealed that it would be impossible for them ever to see it. It could be completely in front of their eyes. They wouldn't be able to see it, and for sure not to touch it. And that's that's the spark of Mashiach. That's the oil of Mashiach. And so obviously, once you access that oil, that spark of Mashiach, there's a miracle there. It gives you access to eternity. You don't only have 
you don't only illuminate, if you use it to illuminate the world, it's not only for one day, but it goes, it takes the whole span of time, the whole, a whole week plus the one day. It encompasses all of time and goes beyond the confines of time. That pure place in Mashiach, of Mashiach, in Tyra, in yourself, gives you access to infinity. So, what did it have to do with learning Tyra? So we discovered this amazing thing, Hanukkah time. Wow. Not just a book. Remember today's Hey Tavis, we're dealing with books. And really, we're not just dealing with books. But we found out on Hanukkah time, if we had forgotten for a short time, the Tyra is not just a book, five books of Moses. Oh, wow, you have some more of those five books of Moses? Want to buy some books? It wasn't just five books of Moses. But it was someone inside of those books. Oh my, there's someone inside of this book. Close the cover right away. So you would think that after we discovered this about the books, the five books of Tyra, we would learn different books. We had a whole new understanding of what's inside the books. Quick, close the cover. Oh my goodness. There's God inside the Torah. This is quite frightening. Close the books. So what did we do? Did we change the way we learned Tyra? Well, we continue to learn the five books of Moses and the oral Torah, which explained what the five books of Moses are, which all have to do with what you do with the stuff of the world, how you decide, how you figure out what the halacha is about using the stuff of the world or mitzvahs. And as we said, you can really get lost in all the amazing details, all of the explanations of how they derived all the halachas are really fascinating. And you can get totally lost in it and forget who's inside the book. So did we learn a different book after Hanukkah? No, we didn't. The way we continued to learn Tyra for, I think, about 2,000 years was simply knowing Hashem. Sort of a feeling. Don't forget what we learned during Hanukkah. We had total self-sacrifice to learn this lesson. Let's not forget it. And we have to realize that these 2,000 years that came after Hanukkah were when eventually permission was given to write down short notes of the Oral Torah called the, the Mishnah and then eventually the Gemara, which is longer explanations and then eventually derived just the plain halacha from all of that and many, many svarim. And we continued essentially to learn what you have to do to derive from the Chumash. What's the stuff that you have to do that's called halacha? It's called Niglav Taira. We continue to learn it, but with a much deeper understanding that this is not just stuff. This is holy. There's someone in these halachas. This is not just wisdom. This is Hashem's wisdom. Remember the very thing that the Greeks said, this is just wisdom. It has nothing to do with God. In order to get us to, to realize, this is not just wisdom. It has everything to do with God. See, they got the right idea. They got the wrong word. They said, it has, it's just wisdom. It has nothing to do with God. And we said, oh, thank you so much for the reminder. 
it's not just wisdom. It has everything to do with God. It just We just had to change around a couple of words. They already gave us a script. You know, we just had to delete, <laughs> erase and delete and change one or two words. And, and we had the whole lesson from the Greeks. Thank you, Greek people. So when you're, so what's Nister of Tyra? What's Nigla of Tyra? You know, all the halachas. What's Nister of Tyra? The recognition, the oil of Tyra, the recognition of who it is. It's, and as we said, oil shows on the secrets of secrets of Tyra. And another thing, we know that oil is not something that you just drink by itself. You mix it with other things. You make latkes. You make, you put it in cake. You, you, you make donuts. You make all of that stuff. You don't just, you know, hey, wow, we discovered the oil. Let's drink some oil. What we're doing when we learn Tyra and what we did for 2,000 years in learning Tyra is we mixed in the oil, the recognition of Hashem, with the learning of all the halachas. We were basically learning the latkes way, learning the donuts way. Doing it a way that we had a recognition. Don't forget, when you're learning all these halachas, who's inside the halachas? Whose wisdom is this? Hashem. Good one. So, would there ever come a time when we would move beyond that? Move beyond learning Tyra in a, in a kind of donuts way. You know, it's all mixed together. The recognition of Hashem is kind of mixed in there. Would we ever move beyond that? Yeah. When? We'll see in a second. Yotes Kislev. But what we discovered also at Hanukkah is that this oil, the Shemin Lamar, it's, it's the luminary that reveals everything. And not only in the dwelling place of a Jew, but outside of where he lives. That we, we know, we put the Menaira on the, to the outside, and its job is to illuminate the outside. But, now enter, 2,000 years later, what happens? The main completion of the revelation of the oil of Tyre, of the deepest secrets of Tyre, with the miracle of oil of Hanukkah, happened on Yates Kislev. I'm going to say that again. Hanukkah, we, we found out, what was found, what was discovered, was the oil of Tyre. But it was the beginning of the journey. A much more advanced stage of the journey is that the oil of Tyre is not just felt, but we make it our main thing. We move it from the back burner to the front burner. When did that happen? Yates Kislev. What happened? The Alter Rebbe said, you know this feeling that we had in our hearts for 2,000 years as we were learning Tyre? You know, it's really Hashem's Tyre. He's really there. He fills you. You're filled with this sense of love and awe of Hashem while you're learning. Yeah. We're going to move it up from your heart to your head. Now you're going to, what we, what we used to say was, um, well, tell me something about Tyra. Well, it's all about Hashem. Tell me more. Nothing more to say. Imagine for 2,000 years. Well, what do you know about Hashem being in Tyra? I don't know. Hashem's in Tyra. But tell me more. I have nothing more to say. Come on. There's got to be more to it. What else is there? Hashem is the whole Tyra. That's it. It's his wisdom. That's it. Don't. 
don't ask me a Chinese. There isn't anything more to say. Came along the altar and said, well, folks, fasten your seatbelts. You know how you felt all these generations that there wasn't anything more to say? Well, now all that there's nothing more to say is going to open up into a kaleidoscope of infinite wisdom that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper without any end forever and funnels into the Torah of Mashiach. So now you're going to start to learn the wisdom of who this Hashem is that fills the whole Tyra, who he is, how he feels, what he does, how he, what is the essence of everything. You know, you were learning the halacha of how the ink has to be to write a mezuzah. Well, now we're going to find out what the essence of the ink really is and why it has to be with a, with a, um, a certain kind of a pen or a, a feather and why on this kind of parchment, what the essence of each thing is and how they interact and how higher and deeper realities blend. That's what we're going to learn. But we need 2,000 years to work, I guess, on making the world a vessel for such a very profound light. Because for us to really get to know Hashem in a way that he's really going to take the cover off all of his secrets, Hashem's secrets are very powerful. Hashem said, you guys, if I just tell you my secrets, it's not going to work out. You need to really get ready. We'll give you a 2,000-year head, head start. And when you're ready, or at least by the time of the Arizal in the 1500s, when you're ready enough, now you're going to start to find out. So, as we said, even after the Gezerah, the decree with, with Hanukkah was abolished, as we said, the way that we learned Tyra was you know, only very, very special people knew the deep secrets. Everybody else just knew the basic statement. Even Rabbi Shemir Bar Yochai in his Zayar Kaddish, he did not give permission. He taught in his generation and then was written down at the end of his life and for 1,300 years was buried and not allowed to be found because the time wasn't, wasn't yet. And so when the Ariza was told in the 1500s, when in the 1300s the Zihar was found, and it was uh, found in, I think maybe the Middle East, it was brought to Spain and then eventually made its way up to Northern Europe. And Pneus Atira started to be revealed, Kabbalah. And the Ariza was given permission to start to reveal this. And then came the Baal Shem Tov, and then came the Alter Rebbe. And then the whole thing started to move forward. So Hanukkah and Yates Kislev are just two ends of the same spectrum. Hanukkah is just getting the whole Tanya in one sentence. And Yutes Kislev is taking that one sentence, Enos Mavada, it's nothing but Hashem, and opening it up into billions and billions and billions and billions of infinite number of sentences, all telling you different things about Hashem, yourself, the world, truth, our enemies, our friends, the way the world will work, Mashiach, how he operates, who he is, what he'll do, what life will be, 
what's truth, what's the opposite of truth, plus, plus, plus. And again, in a couple of minutes, we're going to get to your test kisses. So it means that Hanukkah emphasizes the the effect of oil of Tyra by learning Nigla of Tyra, with, as we said, permeated with the knowledge that it's Tyra Secha, it's yours. And the Chiddush of Yates Kisrei, which is the full revelation of this oil of Tyra, is when it becomes a, lear- a study in itself. The stuff that you just said in one sentence, now you study in itself. It becomes, as it's called, Limud Chashev Ikri, a, an important and fundamental learning. Not just in a way that you kind of mix it with everything else. Like you mix oil with everything else. But you literally take the oil straight. And when you go to Yemaisa Mashiach, you really, really start to take the oil straight. Really, really go into what, what is the oil of Tyre? The knowledge of Hashem. What is Mashiach going to teach us? The knowledge of Hashem. What will every Jew know and teach to the entire world? The knowledge of Hashem. Who is Hashem? And why did it happen? Why did the miracle of Hanukkah happen in such a dark time? The stronger the darkness, the more the need for Hashem to pull out the light to keep things going. And the closer we go into Yemaisa Mashiach, the more we're ready to be able to step into our real role of those who learn the deepest secrets of Hashem, spread their warmth and light to the whole world. And one of the examples of it, of that is the establishment of Yeshiva's Tamchet Mimi, where simple Bacharim, simple young men, could sit and learn the greatest secrets of Tyra that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai used to learn. And so, to say it in one more deep way, the revelation of the oil of Tyra of Hanukkah, as it came out later on in Yotes Kislev, um, it's not only because it's not all the revelation of the oil of Tyra and then the real revelation of it on Yates Kislev, as we said, is not only because of extra darkness in the world that you have to bring more light, but we, we're coming close to Mashiach Sitkenu. Mashiach is anointed with oil. The Shemen Kochi Mashachtis anointed him with my holy oil. And through this is the main completion, the main revelation of Tyra of the deepest secrets in Tyra. At that time the whole world will want to know the secrets. They'll want to see the, and experience the oil of Tyra. The knowledge of Hashem. And who's going to know it? We will. And so um, the main miracle of Hanukkah is connected with Mashiach. Eight, eight days, eight candles, Eight, the number eight of Mashiach, and Mashiach's harp has eight strings, and then Yotes Kislev, which began the idea of spreading the knowledge of Hashem and Mashiach out to the furthest extremes. Mashiach depends on that, as we know, the famous conversation between Mashiach and the Baal Shem Tov. And so, from the revelation of of Hasidus Chabad through the Alter Rebbe on Yates Kislev, and it goes further and further and further, then t- establishment of Tamchet Mimim, who become the soldiers to fight the battle of David and Melech that go out to fight the war against those who fight the footsteps of Mashiach. 
And especially in our generation, we've completed everything, and all we have to do is open our eyes to see that he nezer melech mashiach ba. So when we come to hate Tavis, again we're dealing with oil. We said Mashiach is anointed with the holy oil. The dispute for Hetavis caused a red light to be put on the process of Mashiach, the revelation of Mashiach. Mashiach is anointing, anointed with oil. How it happened was an individual came along and said he was at the funeral of the previous Lubavitcherebbe in the sixth generation, and that was it. So it was six generations, essentially. You were saying there is no real, the seventh generation isn't the real thing. It all ended in 1951, 1950. And since then, I don't know, it's some other disconnected kind of a movement. But the oil, essentially, the courts came along to say, or, you know, certain certain opinion came along to to try to convince the courts that the oil that has been that was discovered, you know, that 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 came from the beginning of time when Hashem, you know, hid Hashem hid his light in the Tyra, and then Hashem hid his light in the Hanukkah Hanukkah light. So that oil, that illumination that's gone throughout all the generations and was the flame, created the flame that illuminated the soul of every Jew for 3,000 and some years, it's finished. Essentially, he was, it was being declared that that oil kind of ran out. That's it. You know, one day, the Manira will just stop, you know, they'll run out of oil, and one day, the, you know, there, there comes an hour after Weiss Hanukkah, when the Menaira is no longer shining because you ran out of oil. And so there was a dispute in the court. Is that what happened? Did they run out of oil? Did Tyra, Hashem, etc. run out of oil? Which means, so to speak, if the oil ran out and the enthusiasm ran out and like the, 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 that light that illuminated from one generation to the next, a, a, a leader of every generation, a Nathi Adar, a Meisher being of every single generation, did it come to an end, God forbid, in 1950? And that was the declaration in the court, in the federal court. And of course, the Rebbe's declaration, and that meant red light on Mashiach. It's over. There won't be a Mashiach in Geula. If the oil ran out, it's over, Chas Vashalim. And of course, the Rebbe insisted on fighting the fight to prove that the oil can't, by definition, ever run out. There is no end to this Menaira that continues to light up the generations. There is no last, there is no end to the Maishu Rabbeinu of the generations. Just goes on forever. There's no such thing as, well, we had Maishu Rabbeinu, gone. We had the source of illumination and gone, God forbid. There is no such thing by definition within Tyra. It's an oxymoron. It can't be. And that's what the dispute was about in the court. And who is it that was 
running the course, Ace of himself, our old brother, the brother to Yaakov, as he knew, Ace of himself, who was not our best friend ever for 4,000 years. And this Ace of, who has his own ideas about Mashiach uh, since 2,000 years ago, was the one who ruled in the federal court that green light on Mashiach, the Nasiadar lived forever, the oil can never run out in the Menaira, the oil of Tyra can never be extinguished, the light of Tyra can never be extinguished, Hashem is forever, just like Hashem is forever, Mashiach is forever, a Jew is forever, Tyra is forever, Kedush is forever, it never ends. Not only it never ends, that goes forever, but it goes because it's unlimited, it, it goes forever because it's bleakful. It's without an end. When something is bleakful, it doesn't just mean that it goes forever. It means it goes everywhere. So what ended up being, as we said, those that opposed us throughout history tried to make certain claims like it's not your Tyra Hashem, really. They were really sent to make us realize it's your Tyra Hashem. And the same thing, when when we were opposed in the 1980s with the Haytavis case, the case of the Sarum, the case was really around the library of the previous Rebbe. The question was, the previous Rebbe had to leave, had he escaped Nazi Europe, he had to leave his Sarum there. And then later on he appealed, he wrote a letter to Dr. Marx and said, please help me get my farm out of Poland. I'm not asking you for a personal favor. This is not a personal library. This is a library that belongs to a good Hasidic Chabad, to all Hasidim, basically to all Jewish people. This is a library for the whole Jewish world. It's not a private library. And this Tyra, these Sfarim, they are so holy that if you put them in the wrong place, they can be like bombs that explode, God forbid. They have to be in their home, in their holy place. And in the end, the federal court ruled about an issue that becomes the issue that's the issue of today. Truth. Today we deal with what is truth and what is lie. You know, who's lying and who's telling the truth in the political arena? What's fake news and what's real news? What's the real truth? And what's fake news? That became the most popular topic, unfortunately. I guess we'll look back and be happy it happened. Right now, it's not pleasant. Well, what did the courts, the federal courts, Paskin, rule? They ruled about truth. They ruled about the very thing that's happening today. They said, here's a letter of the previous letter, previous Rebbe saying, of the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe saying, this library is a library that belongs to all of Chabad, all of Jewish people, really. It's not a personal library. That was what the whole court case was about. One question, is it a personal library or not? The Rebbe gave him the letter and said, well, this, this is the piece of evidence you need. 
But after many, 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 many weeks and months of hearings in the court, in the federal court, the federal court says the following. It is clear from everything that we have learned and explored and researched that the Lubavitcher Rebbe is a man of truth. And he's not capable of saying an untruth. And therefore, if he says that this is a public library and not a private library, that is what the federal courts will agree with. That is the, that will, that the ruling of the federal court is whatever the Lubavitcher Rebbe says is truth, that is truth. And in fact, one other thing that I heard last night, the people on the side of the opposition, when they were sitting in the questioning chair, or however you call it, the witness chair in the court, they said, no, 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 this letter was just uh, used for some tax purposes, you know, to pay fewer taxes. So uh, uh, the Lubavitcher had it written that way. If you say it's a public library, you don't have to pay so many taxes. So one of the lawyers was, I think, came up with the idea to go to him and say, let me ask you, sir, could you please just take a moment now to picture in front of your eyes, just close your eyes and picture in front of your eyes the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. You met him, you knew him, you closed him. Please picture him. And when he had him pictured in his mind, he said, now please tell me again, picturing him, please repeat to me again what you said, that it was, it was kind of a white lie written on this in this letter and the the plaintiff the person being questioned the person bringing the argument against holiness could not speak when he pictured the previous rebbe in front of his eyes he could not bring himself to come out with those words to say that the previous rebbe had uttered an untruth that far he couldn't go once he could picture him in front of his face and, and the courts ruled there is truth in Tyra. Mashiach is the essence of the truth of Tyra. Mashiach inspires every Jew to stand in the truth of Tyra and the truth of Hashem. Essentially, that's what they were saying, and that is forever. And therefore, at that moment of Hey Tavis, and today, this moment of Hey Tavis, we stand in a place where Esau is on our side to declare the deepest truth that it's time for Mashiach to leave the world in Geula. And as the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, and we'll end with this, the famous Medrash, that once there was a Tana, and a, uh, it's a very strange story, but it says so in the Medrash, there was once a Tana, and a spirit came to him and said, I am the spirit that dwells in the river of this town, and I, my task is to keep the people in this town safe, and I do it faithfully. But I'm warning you that an evil spirit is on his way to this town with helpers to take over and harm the people. Once the evil spirit comes to this water, this river, it will be very, very dangerous for the people living in this town. God forbid. 
What should I do, said the Tana. And the good spirit said, have people, all the people in the town ready with hoes and rakes and shovels and pots and pans, noisy things. And when I tell you, when I see that this evil spirit is approaching the town, come out with all the people quickly, immediately. And they did. He notified them, and they came out immediately, and they stood by the water, and they started to bang with everything they had, make tremendous noise on pots and pans and hoes and rakes and shovels and bang and bang and bang and make a huge noise. And they started to scream. And they did it enough times that at some point they saw a blood of a drop of blood on the top of the water. And the good spirit said, the evil spirit has left. And the people of this town will be safe. So this is the medrash that the Rebbe told us in 1987. Very strange medrash. So we understood that this decree wasn't just a decree in, in the federal court. It was something very, very, very lofty. Remember, God doesn't just send us enemies to give us a hard time. He sends us people to move us along the path forward to upgrade us. They look like they're trying to downgrade us, but they're really sent to upgrade us. And one last thing, that when the Altareva was fighting Napoleon and running away from Napoleon in 1812, the Altareva asked, there he was in Russia, the French army, was headed by Napoleon, was running and running, was trying to conquer Russia and catch up with the Altareva. And the Altareva sent a chassid to the front lines where the French soldiers were to find out what, their, what they were singing, what their... What, they were singing as their what they considered to be their march, their marching orders. And he came back to the altar and he sang the tune. And the altar of sat for a long time. He heard the tune, which had been composed by a simple Frenchman who never composed a tune again. Just woke up with this tune in his head. And the altar said, after deep Dvekas, the altar said, this is a victory march. The tune that the French army is singing is a victory march. And the Alter Rebbe was in great meditative contemplation. And then he lifted his holy head and he said, But In the end, in the end, it will be It will be victory for the forces of holiness. So, Cain Yi Rasan, may it be immediately now. We're in the battle now, the last minutes of the battle, and it's moved itself into the realm of Asav, and we're saying, Hashem, may we have victory for the forces of Kedusha of holiness. The oil of Tyre should illuminate the entire world, bring truth to the entire world in the way that the world wants it, and is warmed by the light of truth, the light of Tyra, the light of Hashem, the light of the Menaira, forever, so that we should stand proudly as teachers in Yemaisa Mashiach, 
seeing the Menaira in the third base of Migdash, bringing the whole world to the recognition that Hashem Echad Ushmai Echad.